Hello, welcome back to What's Your Favorite Scary Movie. I'm Sarah. I'm Verona. And we are under the same roof today while we record this, which is very exciting. So exciting, and it's so fitting that we are in New York (laughs) while recording the Scream 6 episode. Very, very exciting. We went out a couple of days ago, and we were walking around and, of course, taking the train, and every few minutes it was like... Do you know what this reminds me of? Scream Six. Or anything set in New York, even if it has nothing to do with what we're doing. We're just like, oh my god, this is just like in blank. Because we're in New York, so technically it's not wrong. It's a funnier bit when what we're doing has absolutely nothing to do. (laughs) Yesterday, we sat on the side of the sidewalk on a tarp with one of our friends. And I just looked over and I went, this is just like in this one episode of Broad City. And it actually was, because there is a moment where they sit on the side of a sidewalk with a comforter on them. So I was like, wow. And we were across the street from the thrift store that they go to in Broad City. We, the yeah. the vintage store, so it was perfect. It was amazing. All full circle. But it is a funnier bit, even when, when it definitely has absolutely nothing, nothing to, do. to do with it. We went to um, Serendipity for, like dinner one day and as we walked into like the general store in the front there was um pigs like up on the shelves and Rora pointed it out and she said this is just like in spiral <laughs> and it's funnier because the obvious bit there was to be like this is just like in the movie serendipity which is why we went there but no it was just like in spiral or any of the other songs so so far for this trip we've been we've been going out a little bit we've been seeing some sites, but also mostly watching a lot of movies and TV together, as we should. When we started Broad City and we tore through that, we're still tearing through it very quickly. We've been continuing our 90210 reboot rewatch. I know everyone was really worried that we wouldn't, but, but don't we worry. are. We're almost <laughs> done. We've watched Spiral. We had to, this is our second time attempting to record this, so because the first episode it was just a little too noisy, but. We have now since also watched Babylon, because it was Babylon Saturday. Mm, Babylon Saturday, baby! Yeah, yesterday was Babylon Saturday, so we watched Babylon together in person for the first ever in-person Babylon Saturday. It was crazy. And then uh, we've also watched... I showed you Elvis and Annabelle. I fucking cried my eyes out to Annis and El... No, Annis. Elvis and Annabelle. I love Max Minghella so much because of Sarah. It's Sarah's fault. I never would have known who this man was unless she didn't come into my life and go, hey, here's this man I like. And I went, thank you, I'm taking him now too. He's also mine. I love him. Oh my god, I was like crying the whole thing. He's so cute. He was such a baby in it too because it was like fucking 2007. We also watched 10 Years Again, which has him in it. And we watched Spiral twice so far. I'm really surprised. We've been showing a lot of restraint with that. Because at this point, we should have watched it more times. We realize we have very limited time and a lot of things we want to get through. So we need to pace ourselves. We watched Office Uprising, which Sarah has wanted me to watch forever. And it was so fun. Dead Silence. Oh my god, what a fucking movie. I've never seen Dead Silence before. And Verona was like, I don't remember what it was. We were watching something and you said, oh, I really want to rewatch that soon. And I was like, sure, yeah, what, I've never seen it like all the way through. I think I've seen bits of it. So yeah, let's, let's just watch it. And I don't know what I expected. I expected, I think, like maybe more like the conjuring level of like I was, I didn't think I was going to be that into it. But I was like, but I should see it. And I'll have fun watching it if I'm with you, especially because you like it. So I was like, this will be great. Like, sure, whatever, we'll watch it. Um, unfucking real movie. That is so campy. 
in like, I don't know, it's a perfect movie to me. It was weirdly dark, weirdly twisted. Some of the twists were crazy. There was like 10 twists in a row also, which was just like so, so campy and so fun. You can just tell it's from the whole team behind Saw because it was like reveal after reveal after reveal, twist, and like the whole ending became unraveled. Obviously, Charlie Klaus or score. You could just tell because both of us immediately were like, this sounds really familiar. And then immediately we were like, oh, music by Charlie Clouser. Literally every single person that worked on Salt, like, worked on that. And it just makes so much sense. I had only seen it one time, like, maybe nine years ago. And I do not remember it. But I remembered that I liked it and I wanted to rewatch it, but it was never on anything. And it was on Tubi for free, so... Shout out to Tubi, we fucking love you. We were also pretty stoned for it, to oh, be absolutely. fair. But I will say, I, I was like really thrown off because there's a, there's a detail in this movie. I like had to make notes in my phone about it. There's a detail in Dead Silence where Donnie Wahlberg like comes into a room and like starts a conversation with someone and then just out of nowhere pulls an electric shaver out of his pocket and starts shaving his neck. <laughs> it's so fucking weird. And like the thing is, it's like I, I saw it happen and I wasn't registering it. Like I was really just stoned, just enjoying the movie and being like, yeah, tough guy, like, shaving his neck. And then it happened again. Like he did it in another conversation. And Verona said, why does he keep shaving his neck? Like, isn't that so like silly and weird of him? And I was like, why? first of all, you're correct. Why does he continually just shave his neck while he's having conversations with people? And why did it? Why did I not notice until the second time? Like, I should have noticed that he was doing that the first time that he did it because that is not normal, even one time, let alone the three times that he goes on to do it in the movie. And it's his first three scenes, too. So I was just like, are they just going to keep this going? Is this going to be his thing the entire movie? He just pulls out. I was really expecting every scene for him to just pull it out and start doing it again. I was hoping for it, honestly. Because I was like, I need it to happen again. And I need it to be, like, his running bit. Especially in the ending. I was like, now I just need him to pull it out of his pocket and just start doing it. The thing was, like, who is carrying their electric shaver around he would be out having like a conversation like out in public and just pull it out and start doing that or he'd go to someone's house and like talk to them or like question them and he'd pull it out and start doing that i'm like what who's carrying this around <laughs> like phone wallet keys shaver so upsetting so i had to make note uh i had to make a note about it to make sure that i wasn't like tripping and like just losing my fucking minds but no it was a real thing that happened in that movie i'm gonna look it up and see if anyone else has talked about it because I'm I sure didn't they must have. The first time I watched this movie, I didn't pick up on that because I feel like I would remember that. But I also didn't remember that Donnie Wahlberg was in it. It was very strange. It was very strange, but very good. Incredible movie. Um, we also rewatched Bloodfest, which is just a favorite of ours. And most importantly, we've rewatched Scream Sex. Screevy. Screevy. And um, I had a moment when we first kind of started watching it where I said, this was only my second time watching Scream 6 because I only got to see it one time in theaters. Everyone pour one out for me. I, nobody has ever suffered the way I've suffered. <laughs> but I, I had this moment when I walked out of that theater and I immediately put it at my number one spot for Scream movies. And I like don't do that with most franchises, um, but I put it in my number one spot and I had like such an intense reaction to it and I was like, this is my favorite screen movie. This like knocks my previous thought out thing all down one because it has to be number one. And then I went so long not seeing it that I was like, maybe I, maybe I was like a little quick to judge it. Cause then I had the chance to like rewatch like three and you know, everything else. 
So I was like, maybe I, I was too quick to give number six that number one spot. And then we were rewatching it and I was like, oh no, my intuition was 100% right. This is my favorite Scream movie ever. I was the same because I put it in my number two spot. And every time before I rewatch it, because I have seen it now six times, I'm like, maybe I'm being like a little too nice. It's a new Scream movie and I'm excited. And then I rewatch it and I'm like, oh, fucked up. Like this is very solidly number two for me. And I love it so much. I'm very excited to talk about it. You had a little trouble ranking them the last time that I asked you to rank them, which was a little while ago. So where, what is your ranking now then with six at two? It's one, six, five, three, two, four. I'm really genuine. I'm surprised to see six above five for you. I know. I know. Uh, Six is just such a strong installment and it has quite literally so much, but five has Wes Hicks and Amber Freeman. So that'll always be very high for me. I also just loved it as a fresh new installment in the franchise but this one goddamn. um i think that something that really stands out between because obviously five and six are paired like and then seven will be as well like this is like the new the new yeah. step um i think that something that's really a stark difference between five and six is how insanely brutal six is compared to five like With any of them five is yeah for sure but like you would think that five would also be really brutal since the same generation so much more brutal than the other previous five movies but the fact that it's even so much more brutal than just five is really crazy to me um five was like very much giving four energy in terms of like really cool like brightly lit kills like a little creative having like fun with it but also it was it was mild it was like a teen slasher this one is so so intense the previous time that i saw it was in the theater for the opening weekend I remember sitting in my seat and, like, doing that, like, the jaw drop meme, like, just, like, sitting there watching shit happen. My mouth was, like, my jaw was going slack staring at it. And I was, like, is anybody else fucking saying this? (laughs) I think, and it really, like, solidified it immediately with that opening kill with Samara Weaving. Because Samara Weaving is, like, an incredible screen queen to begin with. She's such, like, an insane horror actress. But she sells, like being murdered very well. She portrays, like, the terror very realistically. She has an incredible fucking scream. She's she's just, like, very believable and very realistic, which is great in its own right, but when you put her in something that's, like, sillier, ready or not, or, like, the babysitter, you can still, like, enjoy how realistic and good and believable her performance is, but you, it's kind of, like, it's the, it's the part of the whole thing that's realistic is her. Whereas in Scream, the whole thing was so raw and realistic that it was just not like, it was like almost not fun to watch because of like how genuinely just, you almost like felt bad watching it. You're like, oh, this is like, this is twisted. This isn't like a cute little whatever. So good. So, so good. And I watch like a lot of more twisted horror stuff that's kind of really, the entire intention of it is to make you uncomfortable and get under your skin. And Scream has just never really been that. So to get like a similar feeling from this movie is beyond. It's beyond what I could have asked for. So It's so incredible too, because we all knew it was coming. We all knew that Samara Weaving was going to be the opening kill. Like we could just tell from the second she was announced, we were all like, she's either Ghostface or opening kill, most likely opening kill. And then it opens and you see her and you're like, ah... Fuck. Sorry, girl. It still catches you off guard because the moment before she gets stabbed, you know, a girl behind her screams and she turns around and you're like, oh no. And you're like, haha, that was funny. It doesn't give you a minute to breathe because the second after that, he's stabbing her. She's screaming and it's, she's one of the best screams of all time. Like, we all know this. It 
insane. And then he's just going over and over and over again. But I knew the second after it didn't cut to the title card after he did the slash after he said like, now I see something red. I was like, oh, something's wrong. Something's off. Something's different. Did the reveal and I was like, holy shit, are we getting a reveal this early? And I was like, no, 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 no. Some, something, something tricky is afoot. <laughs> I truly thought that we were going to get an early ghost face reveal. That is on my Scream wish list. And this movie checked off a few other things from my Scream wish list, but it did not do the early killer reveal. I thought that that was going to be it because Samara was opening kill. And then I assumed that he would be around because he was in so much promo material. And I was like, if somebody's in a lot of the promo material, like the first kill is always part of the promo material. So that's why I was like, I'm assuming that if Samara was the first kill and she's been killed off, then everyone else that was prominent in the promo material is the people that are going to be sticking around because it's always just one of them. Um, so I thought he was going to be playing the long game and they had him like talking to Tara at the beginning and asking about Sam. And so I was like, okay, he's like going to be here and he's going to be part of their, you know, like their group and like get in the way and he's going to be the ghost face all the time. And then boom, he was out. I was like, okay, never mind. Let me, <laughs> yeah. let me try again. It was very cool. And I fucking, ugh, I just love ghost face and his little fucking, who gives a fuck about the movies? And then he slept. Oh, it's so good. That little cat and mouse chase throughout this tiny little New York apartment. Like, which I want to know where the fuck he was hiding. There's not much room. In one of those Ikea pull-down shoe racks. <laughs> He's just waiting in there. He's all cramped in a Murphy bed. Also, we like to do the thing where while we watch screen movies, we try to identify which ghost face is in the costume at the time. I know it's very controversial and a lot of people are saying Ethan is in most of them. I don't think he's in it once except for at the end. Because the first one, when he kills, I always just refer to him as Flash from Spider-Man. Jason? Jason, thank you. He like cuts into his stomach and guts him. He does that to Annika too, the same way he guts him and like spills his fucking guts out. So, and he's so fucking strong. That has to be Detective Bailey. I really like the Bailey. line that Jason says when he's talking on the phone to Ghostface, but he thinks it's his roommate. I feel like the killers describing like killing people can be so corny. You know, I've watched Criminal Minds growing up like I've watched all the CSI yeah. I've watched all the horror movies listening to the killer be like oh yeah it was like they're not it's even so a person cool. <laughs> I'm like okay we get it it's like the same thing every time but I do like some of the phrasing he used in this was um that she wasn't even human she was an animal and every time the knife went in she was less and less human and more of an animal it's not a direct quote and then he says and then after a while she was just meat threw me off when I first heard it yeah very intense but I also just love the phone call because it's so funny because it's like yeah tell me exactly in great detail what we were gonna what what was our plan again no cops are listening by the way but like it's just us and when did when did we meet and when did we decide to do this he just fully is like yeah and what was the name of your first pet and your mother's name maiden name <laughs> in the street that you grew up on and the last four digits of your sin okay now tell me how we were gonna murder that bitch and also for clarification can you say your name very loud and clear <laughs> thank you like it was so funny and then he just did it just insane opening. I loved it. Loved it so much. I have a note on here that says in just the quotes it just says, who the fuck is Paul? That was my next one! <laughs> I fucking die every time that part comes on. It's so funny. The line delivery in this whole movie is so perfectly timed. Like every bit of it is just paced exactly how it should be. But that who the fuck is Paul cracks me up. You did mention in our spree episode that you had that that weird theater experience when you and uh, Bui were seeing Scream 6 together in theaters. Um, but yeah, this was the 
the this was the part in the movie when the guy in your theater yelled Quinn was a whore at the screen. After she was like, life I find is about variety or something like that, he just screams out, you're a whore. I was so shocked by that. I was like, oh my god. Time and place. No, but like genuinely, I was like, what the fuck, dude? Like, it was crazy. He also had just gotten there like a few minutes prior. So I was like, dude, you didn't even give it a chance. Immediately set on edge from that and from everything he did prior. And then they go to the party and we get to see Annika, my beloved little baby who I love so fucking much, taken from me way too soon. And also, it's so funny to me because I was re-watching this with my dad last week because it was just put onto Paramount Plus. And the second that Ethan and Chad come on screen and they're doing their little, their little dance together, my dad looked at me and he goes, you know, when we were watching this in the theater the first time, I kind of thought they were a couple at first, and I was like, okay, dad. My dad loves to clock gay men, apparently, because he did it with them. He did it with Jughead and Archie in Riverdale. Several times does my dad love to be like, I feel like they might be gay, and I'm like, you're so right, actually. And he was correct. That is the exact vibe that they gave off. And then this fucking, like, 36-year-old man with a mortgage, a family, like, a real estate insurance job comes up and starts hitting on Tara, and his name is Frankie, but that man, fully grown. He is not below the age of 32. No. I love everyone taking, like, taking turns trying to <laughs> save Tara from making a terrible decision. And then the little scene after the party when they're walking back, holy fuck, why was everyone in this movie giving, like, Oscar-worthy performances the entire time? Specifically Jenna Ortega, always, always. It was, I was sitting there watching it with you, and I was like, I truly forgot how, like, how how hard everyone acted in this movie and I was like did nobody tell Jenna Ortega that this is like the sixth Scream movie <laughs> because of, like I love the Scream movies I love all of them and I think that six is like an incredible installment like I said it's my favorite in the franchise but I was like did nobody tell her that she could have like played it fun <laughs> like she went in there and was like I'm getting this fucking Oscar for this movie. And it was so crazy. Like that drunk acting after, cause you know how whenever you're drunk and like, especially if you're fighting while you're drunk and you're like all over exaggerated, like all your emotions are heightened. Like she did that so perfectly. Her talking with her hands, like fucking. Her like repeating off. herself, like starting a sentence and ending. Like, I don't know. It was just, it was realistic. Like yeah. I, drunk acting is so fucking hit or miss. And it's usually miss. It's hard to do it realistically. Yeah. So I was like, that was crazy it was like she like came to work and like put something in her drink and was like let me like juice up my like little morning coffee and like nail this fucking scene so i can act drunk perfectly we're good but no it was fucking incredible everything she did was just too believable like it was you forget that you're watching a movie which is crazy also my favorite 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 detail of this movie is in this scene in the after party and it's so small in the background but at some point annika and ethan have switched hats and so now as they're walking back, he has her little orange hat with the knife in it. And she's wearing his big, like, robot cardboard hat. And it's so cute and just makes everything so much sadder. They were best friends. They were besties. Every lesbian has that, like, one man that they're like, I like this one. I like this one. We're safe together. We're besties. That, Ethan was hers. And then obviously Chad is Mindy's because they're twins. They're besties. I forgot Chad isn't gay until we were watching this. Yeah. I was like, oh, right. I That was in my head. That wasn't like ever actually, that wasn't explicitly part of the movie. But I do like Chad and Tara together. I don't know if that's an unpopular opinion or not. I love that scene with Quinn coming in and being like, oh, sorry, I cock-blocked you. And they're like, please stop saying the word cock. Our friend Bowie famously loves to say the word cock. One time last year when I was in the hospital, the three of us were on FaceTime and someone, I think you said peacock. 
and Bowie just screams the word cock as my doctor is walking in. I'm high off of my ass. I've never met this man before. And so that was like, I need that screenshot of him saying, please stop saying the word cock, because that's me to Bowie every day of our lives. She loves to terrorize us with that word, but we love her. Very small detail too. The fact that in this movie, this is like the first Scream movie where they actually show the aftermath and like have scars. Because most of the other ones are like, you know, like, time apart in between but they don't ever like show anything um but we see tara's hand scar because of where the knife went through and like there's like a couple other moments but like i don't think we've ever actually seen that in a scream movie like we saw dewey with his limp but like his limp was very inconsistent i was also saying yesterday that his limp could have been like more of a psychological kind of injury where it was you know when that trauma's like rehashed his brain's like you you have a limp like you need to be limping which is why it can be like the other leg it can come and go if he's like stressed out or not so i'm like that's probably what that is but of course like in terms of scars scars that would be yeah these people should be having like long lasting like scars from this like i have fucking scars on my body from things that aren't that deep like my cat cutting me and i'm like oh i still have that from like years ago so i'm like i feel like a knife wound should really be there like we were watching 90210 the other day and Naveed gets beat to shit like beat the fuck up like I phone broken like I fucking falling out of his head um and then like two episodes later completely fine he might have like a tiny little scratch on his forehead and that was it and we were like dude you should look way worse right now and you should probably be blind and lie yeah because that's literally what it looked like um it was crazy we have sam and tara walking to the bodega and they get a call from richie kirsch which i think is an it reference because Richie, obviously Richie Tozier, Kirsch, um, Mrs. Kirsch in chapter two is the old lady who lets Bev into her old apartment. And then later on the subway, we see a Georgie costume. So I'm like, yeah, that probably was an it reference. And I hope so. It might've just been coincidental, but I don't give a fuck. And then we get to the bodega scene. They used it a lot in like promo stuff. And I think people were like concerned that it was either gonna not live up to the hype or that like they used all their good stuff. But I saw like the majority of people People who are like actually like franchise fans talking about how it was every bit as iconic as it was promised it was going to be and like talking about it as much as they did in the promotion it was it was a good marketing move to use it as like kind of the main thing even though it happened so early on in the movie it's a terrifying scene it's so scary the gun violence aspect of it in such a small space with one exit like there have been just a few movies i've seen in recent whatever that have used gun violence in horror as opposed to like you usually see gun violence as like more of an action thing using it in horror like i feel like you have to there's kind of like towing the line yeah and it's hard to do it in a way that's not like gratuitous or weird or like too quick to make it like not even scary like to make it feel like you're watching an action yeah. movie so scream six that last act of battle on <laughs> and um terrifier 2 i just watched had like some really scary shooting deaths in it so i think that it was really neat to be able to do it effectively and like realistically they could have gone so many weird routes with it and made it like intentionally traumatizing and like upsetting instead of just like a scary suspenseful moment so i think they, they just like like you said they towed that line like very and they did well. very well i remember when that first shot of ghostface in the bodega came out people were like fucking pissing their pants because they were like Ghostface has a gun now and I'm like Ghostface has always had a gun the third act has always been a gun like that's never been a it's never been weird thing and been also they literally showed it in the thing he takes the gun off the guy like the guy tries to shoot him and he turns around and kills him and takes the gun from him 
and kills him with his own gun. But yeah, Ghostface has always had a gun. Where the fuck do you think he got it? It's not like he was just hiding it in his fucking robe. That would be hard as fuck because it's a big ass shotgun. It's a whole, he's got a whole rifle. Like, we watched him pull it off the guy, but people were still losing their minds over that. They're like, Scream isn't the same anymore. The original three Scream movies, I, I feel like especially at the end of the first one, they got this grasp on what the like reality of being a final girl would be. It's not a cutesy, oh, she's like a badass and she like shows up with like a knife covered in dirt at the end to like save everyone kind of situation. It's like this, if this is real life, which is what you're framing these movies as, it's a traumatizing, like lonely thing. And I think that a lot of other works have tried to do that and failed. But like this, I think did like a really realistic, more heartfelt look at what those tropes like actually would do to a person in in like a not funny way like they're not like making light of what would happen to someone if they were experiencing this kind of stuff especially in this one I've, I've always said at some point people would start looking at Sydney and be like hey maybe you're just killing people and like maybe it's you and so I really liked that they showed that with Sam and also like the aftermath of it of like that hate campaign which if any of you weren't aware of last year there was very famous hate campaign against a woman last year and this obviously did touch on the fact that there was a massive fucking hate campaign against Melissa Barrera after five and it wasn't even like criticism of her it wasn't like people being like hey I didn't think she did the best it was people being like you should die for that actually like you should like insane amounts of hate which no person can fucking handle it doesn't matter if you really believe they did a bad job Personally, I did not like her performance in Five, but I also kept that to myself like a normal person and wasn't like tagging her every day being like, you're a fucking miserable I hope you die. Like some of you were. And she came back on this set mad as hell with something (laughs) to prove and she did. She fucking slayed Six and I can happily give props where they are due and she is incredible and I'm so excited to see her in all the other ones. I'm excited to see they're doing a Universal Monsters and they just cast her, Radio Silence. So I'm very excited to see what they're going to do to together again and yeah I liked that little scene where it's the four of them talking and the director said that they literally put that scene in because of everything that happened last year and it was for the cast to remind her like we love you I love my core four I love my little found family between them it's so cute and so good and it wasn't just like her that they're talking to they, they have a discussion like that more than once saying like hey we love you you don't have to worry about what people are saying about you like we are always here for you it's kind of like a huge fuck you to the audience watching who did things like that and said things like that to her because like what the fuck did you think was going to happen if your username is like I heart Jenna Ortega and you're going online and tweeting every day about how you want this like girl who she loves and like cares about her good friend very deeply like to like die and how she's a terrible actress like why do you think that you are going to get like the stamp of approval from anyone I think about this thing that um, Matt Bennett said once where he was talking about how he speaks to like his other friends in the industry and they are like openly embarrassed when their fans say something shitty to another person even if it's like not someone they're friends with but especially if it's someone they're friends with like using like their face and their name using like them as their identifier like their admiration for this person as their identifier and then taking that identifier and using it to go shit on like someone else how embarrassed they are and like how much they don't like that and people don't fucking like seeing hate campaigns led against other people using their face that they didn't endorse so I'm like of course that cast thinks that you guys are a bunch of fucking assholes for being like Scream 5 was so good except for like this and this like they don't want to fucking hear that nobody wants to fucking hear that can you imagine if someone came up to you and was like hey I think that like you're really cool and like fun and whatever your friend right there like she's a fucking idiot she's so ugly she's so gross she's such a loser I hope she dies she's so untalented but you're really cool 
Um, do you want to be friends? Like, go jump off a bridge. You don't get to, like, talk. I don't, I don't want that compliment from someone whose taste is so bad that they would talk, like, about someone that I love like that. So why do you think that this cast would be any different? And also, just, like, in general, if you talk about, like, anyone like that, like, right. I'm not gonna be like, yeah, you're cool, because, like, the second I do something wrong, you're gonna start talking about me like that. I'm like, I'm not gonna fucking do that. And we've obviously dealt with that on, like, a much smaller scale on, right. by people, like, shitting on people we're friends with and then coming to us and being like, but you're so cool. And we're like, what the fuck do you think is going to come of this? Why do you, like, why do you think that I would want to have anything to do with you? Like, specifically people that were, like, publicly posting that, like, this is my best friend. And they're like, your best friend fucking sucks and she should <laughs> die, by the way. But you're cool. I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't really care that you think I'm cool. I'm actually, like, kind of, I'm kind of bummed out that, like, your bad taste... I don't want goes, you to think I'm cool. It goes both directions here. We kind of got a little bit ahead of ourselves. We both fucking love Kirby Reed, but no one more than Sarah. Her <laughs> at name is literally Kirby Reed. She has spent well over a decade stanning Kirby Reed and Hayden Panettiere. So I think seeing her back was just so fucking incredible for both of us, but especially Sarah. I gasped in the theater. I was with someone who did not care. I like grabbed their arm. I was, I really thought they were going to make her ghost face when they did that reveal and I was I feel like the audience is really split on that some people are like I was gagged I thought it was true and the other half is like you bitches are fucking stupid for even believing that for one second that that wasn't gonna be like him I think it was wishful thinking on my part because they said it and I was like oh wait, wait a minute a Kirby ghost face could be fucking cool I'd be into so it so cool I wasn't even thinking like I had turned my brain off whenever I watch a screen movie for the first time I want to be excited I want to be shocked I want to be surprised I don't want to be because normally that's how I am when I'm watching movies I'm thinking ahead I'm like this is the Villain, this is what's gonna happen. Da, da, da. When it comes to screen movies and finally getting to see two new ones within the span of like a year, I was just like, okay, I want to enjoy these and I don't want to overthink them. I don't want to overanalyze them right away. So I was like, I'm gonna go in. I'm gonna have a good time. Then the next couple rewatches, I can analyze everything. So when that moment happened, I was like, oh fuck yeah. I was like, I don't care either way. I was like, it would be so fucking cool if Kirby's a ghost face. I would love that. Then I was like, I also don't mind if this is a fake out and like she's not because then that means we get to keep her for more sequels. So I was just so fucking excited. I was like, dude, this is so cool. Like I was losing my mind. I was so excited. Um, And then as soon as she ran out with like the bloody thing, I was like, oh no, it's definitely not her. But like, fuck, that was cool thinking it was for a minute. Loved that. But I will say my, my very controversial scream fandom opinion. Roman was a solo ghost face. And that's why he's her favorite. And he's he's also my favorite for mostly that reason. Additionally, I'm like, I you guys don't like that? You guys don't want to have had something original in like a movie before these ones? Like we don't have to, I don't know. I think it's cool. I like Same. a solo ghost face. Same. Now well, we need a, like, then we got three ghost faces. I'm like, that's cool. We're, we're doing something different. I feel like that was the point of three. It was supposed to be like, oh, look, it's just one this time. Isn't that crazy? Because, you know, the first two had been two people both times but had been different motives and like very cool so i love the idea that he is the only one and it is canon he is the only one so we were talking about this when we were watching and sarah had pointed out that like right after the first ghost face attack when they're watching it on the screen and they immediately get the call from gail it wasn't so much that like gail was like looking for her next opportunity she was actively monitoring the news not only for her own safety but for the core four safety as well because the first thing she does while that broadcast is still on is she calls sam and then she shows up at the station and yeah she's being a little opportunist she's gail weathers this is why we love her i do think that her right the book 
about five after she said she wouldn't is slightly out of character. But I also agree with some people when they say that, well, it could technically be in character because of like, she's using it to grieve and is writing a story about Dewey, like she said, but it is also a story of what happened. But I don't think she was ever doing it from a bad place. This is just how Gail is. We've seen her throughout the movies and I would just, I just love Gail and I will always defend her. I will always understand where she's coming from. But I fucking love this moment when she shows up and Sam laughs and goes to punch her and Gail like swerves out of the way and she's like nice try and then fucking Tara this tiny little 5-1 girl decks her in the fucking face oh my god it's so good I really like the way that she like forgives them so immediately too and like the way that she approaches them when she first does um she's like so snarky about it and is like well you weren't picking up your call so I have to like do something drastic and show up like with the media to get your attention those are like those are just her snarky like misbehaving teenage daughters that she's trying to take care of which is just I love their dynamic so much so like the first couple kills were like you know pretty mild in comparison to this next one to me I think this might be the worst one no not the worst one second worst one but the worst one so far in the movie is the therapist kill this has to be Detective Bailey 100% because of the way that he fucking punches through this thick ass glass grabs the therapist and then like bangs his head against the thing and then fucking stabs him like through the nose crazy also why was there that like big shot of his bare feet like when we first seen the therapist it was so strange I was like why did you include this like Tarantino ass like <laughs> shot like from his feet up at him where his feet are like in focus and the like, rest of him's like blurred out I was like what are we doing here i don't know that was wild but yeah that just made my jaw like drop oh fuck we are not fucking around here okay next we have mindy's monologue i love that mindy is the new randy mm -hmm. i love it so much i also love that we have an openly lesbian character like canon in scream um, i desperately need mindy's lavender menace shirt me too. we talk about it every time i see a picture of it it's so fucking cool i just love her monologues every time this one she really did nail it in one immediately. She got it, Ethan and Quinn, right there. And then we get to Quinn's fake out death, which Danny, the guy across the hall, he is so fucking funny in this. And like in the bloopers I was watching, I was like, this man is hilarious. We need him in more of these movies as the comedic relief. I see you, motherfucker. <laughs> There's this sound that happens as they're all staring at Quinn's door waiting for something to happen. It's like a little, like, I don't even know how to explain it. It kind of sounds like a growl, but I know it's not, but it's just like the sound of everything settling right before that moment when Mindy says run and then he fucking launches Quinn's body onto Annika. Also like that's a lot of weight to be thrown at you. If somebody dead lifted me and threw me full <laughs> dead weight at you from like point blank you'd be fucked. Yeah. <laughs> Knock your ass out. Again this Ghostface cannot be Ethan. The sheer amount of strength he has in this. Again it's not like a fresh new strength that like Ethan or Chad would have which Ethan is smaller than Chad is even. It's like years and years of heavy duty strength training, like a cop would have. Especially in this moment where he picks up Annika like by her neck, fucking lifts her all the way off the floor while she's still vertical, horizontal. And then saddest death ever probably to me is Annika, in, at least in this movie. Not only does he fucking gut her and then Mindy and her share that cute little depressing ass moment where they like kiss before Mindy goes across the ladder. And she's like, oh, I'll come right behind you. Like I, not only does she know that she's not gonna make it, but like Mindy 
Mindy also knows she's not gonna make it and it's like okay so we can both die or she can die like so upsetting and then she's coming across the thing her fucking guts are spilling out of her like she's trying to keep it together she's making it across not only could he have just like grabbed the ladder and fucking flipped her in one instant and been over it but he had to mock her for he it. had to taunt her beforehand not only for her but for the other three people watching you know that I have I struggle with people hitting their heads on stuff in movies or getting their heads hit on yeah. stuff and so I always expect this to fuck me up more than it does and it doesn't but it is so it's so graphic and so horrifying I think it's because she snapped her neck that I didn't care which yeah. sounds really funny but like I don't bones breaking I can handle like no I'm yeah like, that's fine so we get this next moment right after where you know they're all out Kirby and Gail get to see each other again for the first time I love that they're like their weird banter is so nice because obviously Kirby was like not necessarily a Gail fan as much as she was like hyper aware of her and Gail was such an important part of her obsession in her childhood with the stab movies and then she's like obviously had all this terrible traumatizing stuff happen to her and she's gone on to like work to help people with stuff like this whereas Gail has also kind of like gone on to have this career based on the same trauma but she's gone a different direction with it Kirby's like kind of like a little like snarky at her like she's still a teenager and Gail's still like that adult that's just like being kind of rude to her like they were it's just kind of it's interesting to me because I don't know why I thought that they were gonna see each other and be like oh my god like you again but like the fact that they're still a little bit shitty to each other I just I love it I loved it so much and I like that part of that obviously comes from the fact that Gail like would have gone on to capitalize off of Kirby's trauma and Kirby I think that would have been like such a shitty wake-up call for her to realize that like or to have to pay attention to the fact that of course when she was going through everything in Scream 4 she would have been having the realization like oh fuck horror movies are like not a good fucking time when you're in one um which is just one realization but then the second realization that all of that media that she loved so much that was based on she wasn't like a true crime girly so she wasn't like as bad but like the stab movies were based on her hometown like she knew that there was real trauma attached to it and she was still very into it to then go on and have her trauma be sensationalized and know that like not only is there not a damn thing she can do about it but there is now a whole generation of kids she's meeting some of them that are fans of her horrible trauma she has to deal with that feeling yeah like, oh fuck i kind of this was me and like yeah. i don't even like i don't want to like these kids like some of them it's not even that she doesn't want to like them it's that she's she's kind of like well i'm like above this this situation because I'm gonna do like the right thing. I'm gonna go through like the passages of the law. I'm gonna solve this mystery. We're obviously gonna kill the guy, which is not that's a little above the law, but like she's like, I've been through all this before, like we can totally do this. Um, like you guys, I'm I'm the police officer, I'm gonna hold the gun, I'm in charge here. It's just a very funny, like her yeah. having to be in that position. And her I think also for like them to be a little bit like pushed back against her and be like, but like, why are you like I want the gun? Why are you holding the gun? And she's like, I'm the adult here, and she's been that kid that's been like pushing back against that adult in the past and like she's oh she also makes that little comment where she's like you can't be a police officer they don't allow children to be police officers i'm 30 i'm 30 she's like you look like a zygote they're probably have spoken since four but they probably haven't seen each other since four which is why gail probably in her mind keeps kirby as like a kid because she's like last time i saw you you were literally a high school senior and now you're what you're in the fbi okay sure like no go to class and then we hear it later when Gail is at her house, like, alone, like, talking to herself. Like, we've said, like, how you, like, replay arguments in your mind, and you're like, so I should have said it. This is what I should have said. And she's sitting there, she's like, last time I saw you, bitch, you were playing video games or something like that. She's, like, so angry typing and I'm like so true Gail it's just very cute I love that and then we get to see the ghost face shrine that was the other thing they showed a lot of in the promo and people thought the reveal was gonna get killed but it was absolutely worth it yeah this is honestly one of the coolest locations I think in any horror movie 
ever. That giant mural of Ghostface outside, this is what's your favorite scary movie, and then the little ghost face on the projector, like it's everything about this place is just so fucking cool and I think it's so perfect since Scream 6 is a mirror of Scream 2 that this is the theater that it takes place in versus the theater of Scream 2 Sydney was in to represent her life being a grief tragedy. Whereas these ones represent their lives being horror movies or true crime because we also hear Gail earlier say everything's about true crime limited series nowadays. I like can't believe I didn't catch that Scream 6 was supposed to be Scream 2 earlier. Like I did, but it didn't fully register until we got the reveal and I was like, oh, oh duh, oh duh, oh yeah. So Kirby obviously sees that Mindy is a little depressed, obviously after having lost her girlfriend. And so she comes over to her and she's like, hey, I heard like you were a horror movie fan too. And then they start talking about their little horror movies. It's so cute. I love that moment between them so much. I love seeing the horror movie buffs throughout the movies like linking up. Like it's just so cool. I wish that Kirby could have met Randy, but I feel like this kind of makes up for it in a way because she gets to meet his niece. I know that when she's talking about, like she talks about betrayal and stuff. And I, I know a lot of people were talking about Charlie, but I like, this is- This is about Jill. Yeah, and even when it wasn't explicitly about Jill, like even when it was like a little bit more romantic, I was like, this is about Jill. <laughs> no, it, I'm, a, I'm a Kirby Jill truther. I am too. The first thing she stops on when she walks in isn't the knife that Charlie tried to kill her with. She stops at Jill's outfit and she stares at it for so long, obviously having this moment. And then she turns to the knife and then she's thinking about that. Cause you have to think about it. That was her best friend in the entire world. And she was trying to protect her that entire time, that entire movie. She just wanted to protect her. Um, the thing about that, yeah, is that when Kirby died, she would have been fading in and out thinking that Jill was still in danger and that Charlie was going to go after Jill. Because yeah, she was out for the count during the Jill reveal. Until um, all of it. So she probably didn't find out any of that until way later. Until she was fine. Until Kirby was fine. So um, she probably woke up in the hospital panicked over Jill and then had to be told like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, not only is she dead, um, but she was also ghostface. So. so she didn't even get that betrayal in the moment. She had to find out after the fact. And so when she sees that outfit for the first time, she's dealing with all of that. It's been over 10 years at this point for her. She's dealing with the fact that she lost her best friend, her best friend, not only just that one best friend, but like all of her friends in that moment. And then she had to go back to high school after that and just kind of pretend that nothing was wrong and like finish her senior year. She also wouldn't have not, she also <laughs> seeing that Jill outfit for the first time, that would have been the first time that she saw it like covered in blood and like torn apart because the last time she saw it, it was in much better condition because Jill was wearing it and they were running away. So like her memory of Jill, probably up until that point would have been how she looked before everything. And then to hear that she had been killed afterwards would have been horrifying enough. But then to find like to see how brutally she was killed, especially because Jill was, is in my opinion, one of the better ghost faces for a number of reasons. One of them being how insanely resilient she was like with the sheer adrenaline and like hatred fueling her that like she put up with a lot of violence and she hurt herself a lot too, to manipulate the situation and to get away. So like, yeah, to see, to see that I feel like would be just a whole level of like shock. I really like that this one addressed a lot of trauma after the aftermath of everything because obviously these people who have gone through this now several times would have insane amounts of trauma. So I really like that this one was finally like, hey, we're gonna address it, even in like the smallest ways like that with Kirby, but like obviously the 
biggest part is Sam trying to get Tara to address the trauma and Sam still dealing with it herself. Then the next part we get is Sam and Gail's little moment when they're talking to each other. Dewey and Gail's theme starts playing. It's so sad when we really think about it because we get that tiny tidbit of Gail that we never knew before that her parents suck too. Like she said something like, my parents are assholes too. And it's just like that little moment that you're like, oh, like Gail's trying to relate to them. Gail's had a hard life that we know nothing about outside of from when we first saw her as a news reporter. Yeah, like we, she was, Dewey was her only family and we always kind of knew that, but like you don't think about, you don't think about how hard it would have been before Dewey. Like no wonder she was like that, you know what I mean? Yeah, and like Sydney even reluctantly became her family too. And she's going through this thing for the first time without Sid. She has never dealt with a ghost face without Sydney by her side. And then we have the little, the van scene. I love Mindy's part where she's like, last time this happened to our uncle, he fucking died because they thought it was safe because they were in public in broad daylight and she's like going the fuck off. I really love that they committed to making Mindy Randy in this like 100%. I also love that we finally got a Gale Ghostface phone call in this. We have never had one in the franchise before now and I feel like this was kind of the perfect way to send Gale off without killing her. We know that this is Quinn in the Ghostface because they confirm it that Quinn was for Gale and for Mindy obviously. Especially because she does Stu's knife thing and she later says that Stu is her favorite so it makes so much sense now because I remember when we first got that shot of that happening and stepping through Gail's thing all of us were like like why the Stu knife thing? Why the Stu knife thing? So I love that and I love the phone call because I've always said this I hate the Sydney should be a ghost face theory. I hate it so I love on the phone call when Ghostface says to Gail like I always thought it would have been you Sydney never would have made sense and Dewey was the fan favorite. You said something really interesting there because I mentioned that when we were watching it as well. Um, something about the Ghostface entity picking up, of course, like on how they talk about Ghostface and how even the two different generations of having to deal with him talk like kind of as if they're all talking about the same person or that like Ghostface killings are like a thing that happens to them. It's not individuals doing this to them. It's not like, well, my Ghostface was worse because my Ghostface was this and this and your ghost face was like okay because it was this like ghost face is an entity to them it's like a symbol of this traumatic thing that keeps happening to all of them that ties them together as opposed to them being like oh I guess we're all technically victims of a ser- like different serial killers that like wore a similar mask instead of that it's like we have all been attacked by the same the same creature the same concept we've all been victim to it which is this mask and the people that put it on are always going to be around us in the world and someone around us at some point is going to have the idea to put this mask on and do this to us. So it is really a character of itself, Ghostfaces, its own entity. It's not the individuals that are involved in it, which is why all the survivors are so tightly tied together. Well, especially because Ghostface usually vocalizes under the same concept, even if they have different reasonings for it, it's still under the same, like, Mm -hmm. umbrella. Makes sense for them to just be like, yeah, Ghostface. Kind of like they would like, yeah, Freddy Krueger is coming after us again or like Michael Myers, same person. It's kind of, it's it's detrimental in the way that they've made like it into a godlike thing which tempts more people, of course, but at the same time like they didn't do that to do that. They didn't like deify Ghostface intentionally to like add importance to what's going on with them. It just happened naturally because that's just, it's just, yeah, it was an unconscious thing for them to do that. Then we have the subway scene. 
magazine, which was also a big part of the marketing, and I loved it so much. I loved that little fake out where they tried to make us believe that like they were all on the same train. Because I remember watching the different shots in the ad, and I was like, that doesn't make sense because Ghostface presses Mindy up against that certain part of the train, and they're not part by that part of the train. And I was like, that would be impossible. He'd have to get through all of them to get to Mindy. And then we saw it. And they get separated. And it's intentional, you can tell. Because for a while, when they're walking down, Ethan is in front of Mindy. So he's, I think, purposely trying to slow them down a little bit without actually, like, physically like doing grabbing it. Her. And, like, making it known that he's doing it. And then he lets Mindy go ahead of him when everyone is getting on the train. Because he's like, oh, there's too much distance now. Like, it'll be accidental. And it'll be her fault for not moving fast enough if I let her go now. And then he couldn't even predict that, you know, Chad would try to stop it or that Danny would then grab Chad and pull him back in so it kind of all just worked out like perfectly for them I said it earlier but I love Danny as a character especially in this part when there's that creepy ghost face watching Sam and like moving towards her he literally moves himself in front of her and is like trying to like look tough and was like what the fuck do you want and then the ghost face like leaves and I love that little moment because I'm like thank you like you understand what they (laughs) should be doing in these situations like yes the big scary man should be like defending the girl these like young women yeah like even though they've been through it and you haven't so they know what to expect and you don't he's still like yeah fuck you I got this I also I said this every time we're watching it but Ethan that entire train ride between him him and Mindy it's not so much that he's keeping an eye on her he is trying to make sure that he stays in her viewpoint at all times so that he's like hey it's not me it's not me doing this it's not me that's about to do this like the whole time he's looking out for her and like that's kind of really neat to me specifically because aside from like the literal mask itself being there for some anonymity and some terror um this is kind of that's kind of one of the first real times you see a fail safe against someone surviving the attack like usually the ghost faces aren't attacking with a plan for what they're going to do if this person like other than their own escape they're not usually planning what they'll do if their attack goes wrong like they're like here's what will happen i'll attack them and i'll kill them or i'll attack them and i'll have to get away somehow so like those are the two plans they usually have it's usually it's rarely what am i gonna fucking do if this person is good like what do i do about them if they survive this so to have ethan be like hey it's not me because there's a good chance she might walk away from this and at least what we'll get out of that is that my name's off the list especially because he knew she was going so hard for him before being like that's ghostface i know you're ghostface like even when it was just the two of them yeah that even when they're alone on that platform you know he's like trying to be like hey it's okay us two are together and she's like get your ghostface ass away from me ghostface like over and over again she keeps being like yeah i'm with ethan aka ghostface like because especially how we see him like snap later in the third act i'm like oh he was probably like really exercising like some fucking anger issues there from like not breaking on her and being like fuck you yeah i am then we get one of the coolest ghost face moments of all time that the two of us love so much the double ghost face knife swipe that's us that's literally (laughs) us the second i saw it in the theater i was like oh i can't wait to text sarah and be like this is us But I hate that part so much after where Chad's like, go, like, I'll stop them. I'm like, no, there's three of you (laughs) against one ghost face at first. 
fucking curb stomp him. Start beating his ass. Like, I never understand that. I'm like, when you have strength in numbers, kill him right away. I have thoughts on this third act reveal. I fully understand what they were doing with this killer reveal. I loved it. I really did. It was probably one of the weakest to me, though. I don't know how else to explain it, because it's not like it's bad, but I'm like, oh, I see what you're doing. Okay, cool. But all right. And I think it's because I had so much love for Amber Freeman and Five that it was just slightly like, okay, yeah, that's cool. That's fine. A lot of people were really mad about like her being like, that must mean that it's Mindy. Um, everyone's like, you're so stupid. I was like, no, first of all, I, sh- I believed her as soon as she said it. <laughs> her mouth. Second of all, I was like, yeah, God forbid. She's like not counting a dead person. Like, oh, she should have known. Like, why would she have known? Why would she have known? I would have thought not thought that it was Mindy. I would have thought Mindy died if like Ethan revealed himself and been like, oh my God, he killed Mindy. <laughs> like, oh, Mindy, because the two of them got separated. It was just Ethan and Mindy together I was like that would have made total fucking sense and it would have been so cool like but also like okay she's not an idiot um, yeah yeah she's in the moment a lot is happening to her she's her re- math was correct she was like if there's only one other person left alive and that's gonna be the other ghost yeah. face, and it's Mindy I'm like right your math is mathing and I understand but I'm like I would have considered a third mysterious person that like I hadn't met and like didn't know that was like behind the scenes because that would make more sense to me I understand that this is a movie so obviously like they're showing all the characters at once but like if this was real life which it is for them I would just I would assume that like the ghost face were like people who weren't in my friend group that were like they could roam freely without suspicion that would that would make sense but since this is a movie it's understandable why they're all linked I love the setting of this so much I said that but like with the screen down playing like Richie's old movies it's so cool and Melissa Barrera just serves absolute fucking cunt the entire (laughs) act three it is crazy I'm like holy shit that meme that's like I'm a little scared and a little turned on <laughs> that was me the entire time i also really like her stabbing up and down bailey's arms i talk about that all the time just in my opinion one of the most brutal fucking crazy things in that movie but it scared the shit out of me and she was doing it because like she was like oh he's like a vest or something right her just grabbing him by the arms and up and down up and down up and down like over and over and over again knowing damn well that is not gonna kill him but it's at least gonna like immobilize him just ruining that man it was so crazy i also love her putting on billy's ghost mm-hmm. face costume to do this oh my god i've said this before but sam is literally the writer's answer to fans being like we want a sydney ghost face they're like this is her it's perfect this is what you're getting and it's incredible so insane in this third act like i really can't get over it every time i watch this movie like i'm paying attention the entire time but specifically the third act it's like phone down everything this is the only thing i'm zeroing in on is like this and just i'm watching this and her um that workaholics video like the meme that's going around the tiktok sounds like i almost died i almost died i was so scary did you guys see that <laughs> someone's like that's ghost face every time sam puts on like, a great tank top and jeans literally also holy fuck she looks incredible i remember the cast saying and like her posting like videos that she like works out constantly and like you can tell like, oh my god, she's incredible looking. She, Melissa Barrera, I know you're married, but like, <laughs> <laughs> hi. Her dropping the mask when she leaves as well as like that little, like, okay, we we get it. I love that, like, review where it's like very dramatic and like the music is building up and then Tara's like, are you coming? And she's like, yeah. And she just drops it and then like walks away. I love Kirby getting up to like kill Ethan at the end. My very last note that I have to say about this is that the twins need to be there for the next reveal and monologue. Yeah, it's not fair that they keep missing it. I love that they made a comment about it. Though. Mindy did. She's like, I missed the monologue again. Technically, she 
was there for Amber's, but she wasn't there for Richie's in five. You know, Amber's was very quick there. She was already like bleeding out on the floor during it. Like, but this one, I'm like, come on guys. They need to be there. They need to like be part of it. They need to help take him down. What a movie. That's all I can really say is what a fucking movie. What a film. That one is my number one on my Scream franchise ranking. That's my number two. What's your full ranking? Go. I think I'll, I'm going to try and do it off to the top of my head because mine's pretty solid. I don't have, um, I think it's six, three, four, two, one, five. And yours is? It's one, six, five, Three, two, four. I'm so. I said this last time. I'm surprised to see two drop so low on your list. I know. I, I love two so much. Yeah, I'm surprised it's lower than three for you. No, three was always above two, no matter what. Three used to be my absolute favorite, even above one. I just love this franchise. I'm so happy that it's in good hands. Very much. Very yes. good hands between the cast, the writers, the directors. Everyone is doing it a phenomenal job. All right, that wraps up our Scream Six discussion, which is. Again, so exciting because it's our first in-person recording and in New York, very on theme. Check out our link tree, which is WYFSM. That will have linked to all our socials, including our Twitter, WYFSM Podcast, as well as our Instagram, WYFSM Pod. It also has links to every other place that you can listen to our show. See you guys next week. Bye.